I think I mentioned this before, but like, I feel like a lot of technology, like we're limited by our imagination. There's, mm-hmm. You definitely need those technical advancements. But then after that, finding useful applications is as easy as imagining, mm, let's try this with that. And then going from there. And that's how we progress. Hello and welcome back to For the Future, your podcast about most things Industry 4.0. Today's episode is a little different from our normal conversations, but still kind of the same. I am your host, Mark. And this is Michael. So today I want to start a little bit of news surrounding Facebook and Ray-Ban and the world of wearable tech. So Facebook and Ray-Ban have partnered and have created sunglasses that have two cameras in them. So the, they have three styles, actually. I did not know this. I thought there was only one style. So they have the Wayfarer, which is like the classic Ray-Ban that you all know and love. Then they have a round, which is what it sounds like. It's just round lenses, round frames. And then Meteor, which I'd never heard of. And it's kind of like a combination of the two. So there's three styles. They have two cameras. Those cameras are five megapixels each. Um, so it has like a decent resolution for stills. The HD video aspect of it is a little weird because on the specs on their page it has the um dimension of the video as a square so i think it only takes square video which Mm -hmm. like works for instagram and facebook which is i guess probably what they're going for because facebook owns instagram and of course facebook so i think they're kind of it's like one of those things where it's like linked to your phone you can take a video and it'll be posted to instagram stories or facebook stories yeah, and that's what I had mostly heard about it. Right. Yeah, that like the whole idea was just basically making content creation like more seamless and easier. And it's not yeah. supposed to be for doing a lot of like real work. It's more for just being able to really quickly flip and just you see something funny or something's going on, you can just record it. And then uh, the idea is that like it's supposed to have a light. So, you know. Uh, the, the the whole idea is that people are freaked out about you having a camera, you know, on your face all the time. So, like, one of the big things that they want is that it's uh, it's got a light that goes on every time you've got the camera going, so that right, other people that around like the, you, yeah, that was the big thing with Google Glass is that everyone's like, they're gonna take videos of me without me knowing, like, mm-hmm. and most people weren't doing that, <laughs> but it is nice that they have that just so hey, this person. Yes, it's a little LED, so you might miss it, but at least there is some sort of indication that video is being recorded. I don't know. I, I think it's a good thing to have. I'm sure there's still people taking videos with their phones of you know, people stealthily. So there's always going to be creeps, but at least this way you can't be a creep taking videos with your sunglasses. Yeah, I think it I think it helps a little bit, you know, kind of the same thing where um, they've done that with phones, too, where they. Um, added legislation where I think in the UK where you can't disable the shutter sound. So like if you take a picture or you start your video camera, it's required to like, I think almost full volume or like at a certain audible level so that others around you know that you've started recording a video um, or taking a picture so that you can't like creepily, you know, on the bus or whatever, whatever you're up to that you probably shouldn't be. Um, others know that you're taking pictures around you. So right. kind of the same thing. Like we've already sort of gone through that with phones, but 
you know, wearable glasses where you've just got cameras facing where you're looking all the time and they're pretty seamless. I mean, some of the new designs, I'm looking at the the Facebook um, glasses and they look they look a lot like glasses. They don't they look, look normal. like these big Yeah, they don't look like these crazy Blade Runner designs or, you know, futuristic sort of things that really look chunky and weird. Right. Um, I was they, surprised they at how like, like thin they look and normal. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's where we'll leave that off today. I'm curious for listeners, is this something you would buy? I still don't know if I'm on board with wearables. The applications for me personally just aren't enough to like push me to get one. I can easily take out my phone at the moment. I do some skateboarding, so that could be kind of cool. But until the cameras get as good as iPhone cameras, I'm really not super interested because, yeah, yeah. I kind of like the 4K, 60 and all this different stuff. And just the image quality from iPhones currently is unbeatable. So let us know. Yeah, it'd be interesting to hear what what others have to think about it. I mean, um, it's you know, it sounds like we're both pretty uh, apprehensive about it. I'll say, <laughs> um, I don't I don't have a lot of use cases for it. I would feel the same way where I would just I would just take out my phone if I wanted to record something. Um, I right. don't really see the need to have it faster. I I mean, I'm more on board with actually doing something with it and being able to have more of that heads-up display sort of uh, device, but it seems like this isn't really going for that, whereas, you know, HoloLens and some of the other devices we'll talk about in a few minutes, um, they seem to have more, like, practical application for work, you know, productivity, um, you know, experiences at events, uh, things like that. And that really is a perfect segue, because today we are going to talk about the future of reality. And so, specifically, we're going to kind of do a crash course on augmented reality and virtual reality which you'll hear commonly as vr virtual reality and ar augmented reality so the world's quickest explanation of what the two are is that virtual reality replaces reality around you and augmented reality alters what's around you so augmented reality will add kind of virtual elements to your vision to create a different experience that could be anything from like, you're, say you're walking down a street and you have navigation up, arrows would show up in front of your vision through your glasses and say, hey, you should take this next left. So instead of having to look at your phone, it's already built into your vision, thus augmenting your reality. Then virtual reality kind of completely changes the virtual elements around you. So if you guys have ever seen the movie Ready Player One, like you're putting on these glasses that you can't see through, it's like a headset. And once you're inside, it can track your location. So if you look up, it'll be just like you're looking up in the real world, but it's all completely simulated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say one one uh, augmented reality or really low tech version of it. If you've got a car, or your parents had a car growing up, there were some that like projected the speed limit or like the, the clock or something in front of you on the glass. Um, and you could actually see it kind of in your field of view like in front of you as you were driving and you didn't have to look down at your dash. Um, and some cars, I think, do more of that these days, but that's like a really basic version of a of an AR-type system um, that actually I would think probably a lot of people have had experiences with. So that's a really good example of what that heads-up display um, sort of element could look like, right? Now imagine if it could more colors and it wasn't just that, um, that see-through blue color. What if it was, you know, full color and it could be, in, you know, do more, have Google... Uh, maps up in front of you, things like that. So um, that's kind of where we're going with that that AR type conversation. Right. And I, I should specify that like augmented reality doesn't have to happen through 
like glasses you wear on your face. It could happen through the lens mm-hmm. of your camera. So we'll get into how you can use this different technology, but it's not specifically limited to just like you said, like you were looking through a you know, sheet of plastic that's projecting the screen up or the, the speed up on a car. And that's actually mm-hmm. making a comeback. Do you know that a lot of cars nowadays hmm. have HUD heads up displays. So fancier cars actually have heads up displays now. It's making a comeback. So you were talking about like the cars in the 90s have like, was that like a breakthrough technology, kind of like a gimmick maybe? Yeah, I want to say, I want to say one of my parents' cars had it and it was like, you kind of had to look, you had to, you know, have, mm-hmm. and I think you could kind of change the angle of where it was. Mm-hmm. So it was set for my mom and, you know, I like, I was too tall to like really see it, but it was kind of cool. And you could, you could see the, the, um, a digital, um, speedometer up on your, on your glass. And it was like kind of right there. You didn't have to like really look down, look, look away yeah. from the road to see it. So it was actually really convenient, and um, but safe. that's all it did. Yeah. 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 And you can, you can imagine that if you're, you know, imagine you're driving through a new city that you've never been to, how nice that would be if you would just see the, the turn by turn navigation or like, exactly. Could, you know, I've seen some really cool tech demos where like the stoplight is highlighted for you or things like that. So mm-hmm. no, that's exactly it. So Michael, what are some different pieces of technology that we can use to experience augmented reality and virtual reality? Yeah, it's it's interesting because I you know I kind of thought well there's a few AR VR companies out there whatever um, it's kind of niche it's not there's not that many people into it they're really expensive you got to have a crazy computer to drive them you know um, and then you start looking into it and you realize like every major tech company and then some are into AR or into VR um, they don't require that crazy of uh, graphics cards anymore like you don't need a giant gaming computer to run them anymore. Um, they're actually really accessible. And it's interesting, uh, like the, the amount of people that are getting into games that are using these types of equipment, for instance, um, there's, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of users on some of these platforms. And it's, you know, that's not a small number of people anymore. That's not just, you know, the rich kid down the street that has a you know VR headset, got it for Christmas or something and has like the three games that are available for it. It's actually, it's got a very well-developed um, community. It has, you know, hundreds of games available that are really well done. Um, there's lots of community elements and things like that involved. So, you know, you can you can go anywhere to um, Steam or uh, makes a Valve um, type piece of equipment. So that's sold directly by them through their, to play with their games on, that are on Steam. Um, you can play other equipment with it too. Um, you've got the the HTC uh, Vive, I think is right. I think that's yep. still available. Facebook, um, they bought out uh, um, Oculus. They bought Oculus out, so um, they're running that. And they probably, you know, they probably the spinoff technology was these new glasses, right? Going into the AR type type fields, so they had a lot of experience with virtual reality already, which is a lot of the same thing. Microsoft has the Hololens, which is really focused at. Um, more productivity, business development, and things like that. But that's where you can imagine the you know a technician going into the field, um, repairing a pipeline or something, and they can have all the schematics and you know all that type of information pulled up in front of them while they're working on it. The engineer can be watching as they're you know repairing that piece of equipment. They can be looking it over. Um, so you, can, you get an idea of that, and then you start looking around and you start writing it all down on a list, and you're like, wow, like this is a lot more well-developed and there's a lot more options, you know, which makes it seem like a well-developed product rather than some niche thing that, you know, really doesn't have any application. So uh, very interesting that 
basically you have a you have so many options to get into the, this technology um, already as it is. Like how many of you guys have the new iPhone in your pocket? Even a couple generations back, they have the lidar sensor, which all that really mm-hmm. does is kind of sends like a like a sonar. I think it's kind of like a, a good way to describe it. Is it sends like a signal yeah. that bounces back and gives you like a three D map of what's in front of you, and mm-hmm. what Apple does is uses that to pinpoint locations and you can add a couch to your room or you can add different environments to your real environment thus augmenting the reality around you so yeah there's the lidar sense in your apple product amazon has an augmented reality tool that you can use for different furniture and stuff like that so there is a lot of stuff that even without you having a big beefy gaming computer and wanting to do virtual reality mm-hmm. there are plenty of things that you can probably do with the technology that you have in your own pocket. Yeah, and that's kind of describing those more well-developed, you know, dedicated pieces of hardware. But like you said, we're all carrying around, a, most, or I should say most of us are carrying around a phone in our pocket that is has pretty significant AR capabilities. I mean, I think one of the big uh, demos for, I think, the iPhone 10 or maybe the like the X when that came out um, was they had a desktop, like a gaming, a desktop gaming app but it was all in altered reality where or augmented reality where it was like a, t- a, a tabletop game where you could actually see the characters like battling on your on your coffee table right and the idea yeah, is I that remember a couple that. of uh, yeah and that was like one of the i think that's when the iphone like first got the lidar sensor and started having that ar yeah, the first iteration of it um mm-hmm it reminded me of like a Clash of Clans game, like an island that you could wa- yeah. you could walk around the island and see people. Like you could lead these troops over mm-hmm. to this side of the island and stuff, and you'd continue to walk around with your phone held up in front of you, and mm-hmm. it would be like happening on your own coffee table. Like so, it was just like a different way yeah. of mobile gaming that was new to that technology. And so y- you think about the power with that, but what I thought was really interesting, and you know, obviously the there's lots of cool stuff you can do with the dedicated equipment as well, but you know, think about the power of individuals developing apps for your phone and now you can project you know equipment off of like a website directly into your space whatever it might be whether it's you know furniture ikea furniture or um you know you could do all sorts of different things like that um i know another one that gets used is for space planning like in manufacturing sites um you want to get an idea of how big something is and like you know layout and stuff i mean i know at work i laid out a whole production center and it was really tedious and a little nail biting as all the equipment was showing up in these big giant boxes and you really hope that you left enough space for all the stuff to fit in you know the little the little box that you were allotted on the on the plant floor so (laughs) something like that would have been really helpful and i know there are companies that are utilizing that kind of technology so really interesting for kind of that planning and and um you know bringing a virtual like a online shopping type experience and making that more um, concrete and you can really get an idea of what that's going to look like in your house, you know, in that corner of your room or whatever like that. We've already kind of brought up some examples, but there are plenty of different like meaningful applications and this really isn't going away. I think maybe if like three to five years ago, even myself, I was like, yeah, it's kind of weird. Facebook bought mm-hmm. this virtual reality company. I think it's going to be something for like enthusiasts only and it won't really be yep. adopted by the general public. But I don't think I could have been more wrong. Like this, this is a technology that's not going away. And I was telling you earlier, Michael, like I wonder, if, was this similar for 
you know, even like the first iPhone dropped where people like, oh, mobile browsing. I, I mean, I have a laptop or even before that where they like mm, mobile computing. I don't need a laptop. I have this perfectly good desktop. So is that going to yeah. be the next is like VR and AR going to be that next iteration to be like, man, I can't believe I didn't have this my whole life. It just like will be incorporated so seamlessly. So I kind of have a feeling that's where this is going. And that's kind of why I, I want to bring up these other applications that you might not regularly think of. It just uh, it just means we're getting old, Mark. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, no! It's begun. <laughs> uh, we're starting to under under project, you know, things that are coming out and like, ah, that that's not that cool. That won't develop into anything. And then you watch as it revolution, revolutionizes the world around. You're like, oh, geez, right. paid more oh, attention gosh. to that one. So <laughs> anyway, uh, the first area I want to kind of cover is one that maybe has gotten a little bit of media coverage, but probably not enough. And that's the healthcare space. So as a very simplistic example, think of being able to practice surgeries, you know, virtually, but so realistic that it's, you know, great practice and isn't like, oh, this looks like a cartoon human that I'm, you know, taking their appendix out on. It's like, you know, 4k, like these details are insane. And you can do surgery over surgery, practice over practice without risk of hurting real humans. So that's something that I think would be, you know, crazy beneficial for, you know, our, our world, other countries around us and uh, Mm -hmm. for the future of healthcare, really. Yeah. I think that's one and I'll, I'll tie in the, um, the CAD design sort of idea as well with this, but I think I've seen it in tech demos for like doctors and surgeons to look at, you know, imagine a, a tumor or something, right? You get an MRI scan and then they can, or 3d, um, MRI scan, and they're able to look at that and you know explore that and spin it around. But I think it, it gives a tool to individuals who don't have that CAD that CAD experience. Because imagine a doctor having to sit down in a 3D virtual environment on their computer and like spin an MRI around and like you know use slice planes and stuff. I just wonder if that's like super not intuitive. You know, we both grew up, you know learning CAD and, you know, working in Inventor, designing three-dimensional parts in a computer, and, like, we're used to that. But mm-hmm. for someone who hasn't never done that before, I'm sure that's, like, super not intuitive. Um, and I wonder if that just provides, like, a really natural way to, like, you know, spin with your hands and turn it over and, like, you know, look, you know, zoom in by, you know, pulling your hands apart or pushing your hands together to, like, zoom out kind of thing. Or um, And I'm wondering if that's just a really natural way for someone who doesn't have that kind of CAD training to be able to experience a virtual, like a three dimensional object in a computer. And I'm, I'm wondering if that's probably what it is. When you, when you're saying that, I imagine the Tony, like Tony Stark, like an Iron Man one. Yeah. Like where he's like seamlessly interacting with, you know, in his example, it's like a hologram. So it's kind of, it's not super virtual. Mm -hmm. It's like a real thing that he's interacting with. But like, imagine you have glasses on and there's, you know, a 3d yeah, tumor in front of you and you can spin it around and really delve deep with simplistic and natural like hand motions. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I think I mentioned this before, but like, I feel like a lot of technology, like we're limited by our imagination. There's, mm-hmm. you definitely need those technical advancements, but then after that finding useful applications is as easy as imagining, mm, let's try this with that. And then going from there and that's how we progress yeah. with technology. But no, I think mm-hmm. it's a great, great link up there yeah now now as you say that i'm thinking I, I was thinking about like how can i integrate that at work and convince cad people who've been cad designers for 25 years 
to, oh yeah, we're just going to switch away from mouse and keyboards now. And we're going to use, you know, you're just going to use your hands and just move things around and in space. It's like, I can just imagine the pushback from, you know, folks that already know how to do it with a mouse and keyboard. And it's going to be that next generation that's going to, you know, be grow up, you know, interacting with those 3d CAD Mm -hmm. files in a different way. And they're going to be the ones that are going to, um, feel at home doing that kind of thing. So yeah, exactly. um, yeah, I could see that, but I think that's why it makes sense for like in a medical application for someone that's, this is a really cool technology, but they don't have um, that background and those years of experience, you know, manipulating things with a mouse and keyboard in 3d space. Um, this could just be a really natural way for them to get a ton of benefit from it, but be able to just interact with it, how they, how they know how to do it. Right. Just, just like as they would, in uh, on the operating table, they would just spin it over, just rotate it, right? Just pull and push it around. Yeah, I could not agree more. This next example I'm bring up is one that uh, hits me hits personally. I'm currently <laughs> looking for a house, and so the example I bring up is like real estate, and this can also be linked to like online shopping. But in my example or my experience, it was real estate. So looking to buy a home and. A new home pops up on our portal. I'm looking through it. I'm like, wow, this looks awesome. These pictures look great going through all these pictures and all of a sudden I'm at the bedroom I'm like oh like, that looks nice like it's it's like staged well which is like you know when they have mm-hmm. things very perfect and all the colors match and schemes and all that and I look at the bottom of the screen and it's like staged virtually and I was like no way because it looked hmm. so real it looked like mm-hmm. there was a, a bed with like a, a lilac comforter and it was all just beautifully done and I was like this is insane this is how we will be sold products from now on you know, oh, you'll yeah. be able to do this to your own home. You'd be like, oh, do I want this bed or do I not want this bed? And mm-hmm. we kind of talked about that earlier. But I think for real estate especially, there are staging companies. And I'm wondering if this is something they're going to embrace or if it could be something that ruins a, a whole you know, portion of business for real estate. Yeah, now imagine it's just like super messy and gross and they just put like a filter over it and just like, oh, the bed's made and the clothes are cleaned up and <laughs> you could put whatever hardwood flooring you want in. Yeah, yeah that's true. There's, there's yeah, both ways. Yeah, it's like, uh, that doesn't look so nice. Just cover all that up with, you know, aug- with uh, augmented reality. No, that's a, I think that's a really good good point and something to think about that a lot of people can relate to, though, is that um, think about all the work you put into selling a house you know, and how you had to like live on pins and needles for like months trying to like not mess things up and you're doing showings. And, you know, what if what if someone could literally you could like have your whole library of your own bed and like your furniture and stuff and you could just like go and place it into a house and then virtually walk through it and see what it would look like. I mean, that's cool. <laughs> that That's right. really amazing. That's a that's a totally different way and experience to like just speed up and just improve um, the house buying experience. So that's a really cool idea. I think, I think you've seen the very infancy of it, but I think you're right. I think that could, you know, these staging companies like that could really, that could really shake up a whole industry. So yeah. that's interesting. And so the final area I want to cover is one that we have briefly covered, but is the manufacturing space. So thinking of like augmented reality, being able to see certain preventative maintenance tasks on your screen. One thing I would like this is me like dreaming far in the future. Like imagine you're a, a maintenance tech, you have these AR glasses on and you're walking through the plant and you look around and it says, hey, this this hasn't been checked in, you know, 45 days. It, it like beeps at you, like you look over and you can see it on the machine and it's mm-hmm. like like augmented around you. It's not really beeping, but it looks as if like, hey, there's a red flag over here. You need to come check me out. 
Yeah, and it could be insane. path on the floor and yeah, right. imagine you're a really big plant. And yeah, I think that would be, that could be a really cool future. And, and think about it. I mean, for, for those folks that are in the manufacturing space, you're used to like an and on light, right? Mm-hmm. And, yep. you know, unfortunately, unless the, unless the manager offices are really built up high, they you just get lost in a sea of cords and cranes that are going, you know what I mean? Like they're right. You can't really see them very well. They're not, unless, unless the whole plant is laid out in a way that the manager can really look out and like see just those lights. Um, it's really hard to keep track of them. So imagine, you know, like you said, an AR type situation where that could be just virtualized and could really be blinking, you know, it could, over the overlay over the top of all the mess and noise of a factory all of a sudden you can just see like you know you could see through everything and just see a red block of that cell blinking red and you you know just chart a path for you and say hey this is what's going on um that would be that could be really powerful um and really help out with those response times so and that's a really simple example there but like we talked about you know technicians out in the field repairing things Mm -hmm. um you know operators being able to have documentation and everything in front of them. Um, those are all super important. And then being able to take data out of that, right? So now you've got camera feeds of all your operators working all day long and noticing um, what's going on, how fast things are going together, things that are pain points for people. Right. Um, those are all, I mean, it's just a ton more data, you know, feeding into your into your business analytics, right? And even using that footage for future training like hey this guy did yeah. this task really well let's save mm-hmm. that footage and have future techs watch that it's that's that's a really good idea yeah just have like a youtube video right. channel basically like a private youtube channel and you can just that could be training this links back into we're only limited by our imaginations really like mm-hmm. with you know the technology has to meet there but then after the technology is there the world is our oyster and we got to figure out what to do with it so mm-hmm. Yeah, the application is always the, sometimes that's the hardest part, right? Because I think like things get designed, it's kind of that like valley, you know, the the peak and then the valley and then the slow adoption curve, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the technology was designed with a few things like the, you know, the creators had a few things in mind, right? And like they know that it's going to do this, this and this. And then the technology goes out there, it does those couple of things and then it kind of stalls out. And then people start picking it up and slowly start finding new uses for it, right? Things that nobody would have thought that it made sense to use it for but as a price point comes down as adoption goes up you know more and more people that are trained on it go out into the world and switch jobs and move companies and industries and stuff like that that's how that stuff just slowly you know integrates and eventually becomes more mainstream but yeah i think i think we're probably like it's probably getting to the point where it's really it's good enough to like really satisfy all those initial needs like we talked about the the repair technicians the doctors the surgeon planning you know it's baked into your phones and you're able to do some pretty cool stuff with it i think it's starting to get to that point and then it's going to be like cool it's here the couple of you use cases are satisfied now what and then it's going to kind of lag and then then a new you know the next generation is going to graduate college high school whatever and they're going to come up with just these crazy new ideas that new applications that you'd be like, why would you do that? Or it doesn't make any sense. And then mm-hmm. you go see it in person. You're like, Oh, that makes a lot of sense. That's really cool. That's, you know, never would have thought of that. Right. Yeah. I, I, that's exactly right. And that is where we're going to end today's episode. My question for our listeners is do you use virtual reality? Do you have a valve index? Do you use AR at work for business? 
a side note, I didn't realize HoloLens was like really pushed for business, but I'm curious, like are people using that, uh, that listen mm-hmm. to our podcast? So if you use VR and AR, what examples or what applications are you using it for? I'd be very curious to hear those responses. Or I guess and I'm, I'm planning on getting the, the iPhone 13, so I'll have that some of those AR app capabilities. So if you've got some favorite apps that you use um, that you really enjoy and find useful, um, I'd love to take a look at some of those and um, actually try to, you know, maybe we could do an episode on trying <laughs> AR apps and say they're trash or actually this was pretty <laughs> cool. We were able to, you know, do this, this and this with it. Um, I think that'd be a lot of fun. So um, Very true. that'll be something I'd take a look at, but would love to take some suggestions too. Yeah. So send those um, suggestions and thoughts at for the future pod at gmail.com. F O U R the future pod at gmail.com. Cannot wait to read those. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Thanks for listening. Thanks everyone. Bye.